How many of you have ever failed? See your hands. The rest of you are lying. Because everybody fails. It's the truth. We all fail. You may plan on not failing. You may have great expectations of not failing. But sometimes when push comes to shove and you get in the heat of the moment, you just mess up. For whatever reason, you don't do what you're supposed to do. You don't say what you're supposed to say. You don't respond the way you're supposed to respond. And today I want to speak to you about how God redeems our failures. How he takes those failures and he works them into his plan. I'm not trying to say that God plans your failures. I believe we fail because of choices we make. But God is right there, right there in the midst of our failure, right in the middle of our bad choices. And he is ready to work in them to work his plan in our life and to show us some things that we didn't know. So we actually grow from our failures as much as from our successes. Maybe we grow more. Either way, God wants to speak to us today. There's a bigger story. We're in the midst of a series, the greater story, God's greater story. And the greater story here is going to come from Abraham. Remember, he was first called Abram and then Abraham. One, I kind of feel as we studied uh, Abraham, uh, two things really jumped out at me. First of all, I identified with Abram uh, because it says in Genesis 12, or say it says that he went to the south and settled in the hill country. And we're going to the hill country. Y'all didn't get that. Okay, that's all right. We're moving to the hill country in Texas, and it says he went to the hill country. So, yeah, sometimes I got to explain these things, yeah. And then the second thing, you know, as we're driving down the road, uh, my wife and I read to one another. Uh, let's see, when I'm driving, she reads. And uh, so we're reading through the book of Genesis, and we got to, the, we're studying Abraham, and we got to the part. Remember the, where the part is that uh, Hagar is the servant girl that uh, Abraham was given by Sarah. And he had a child, Ishmael. And and Ishmael began to tease Isaac. And Sarah saw this. And so she went to Abraham. She said, Abraham, you get rid of that woman. I'm tired of her being around here. I don't like the way she's treating my son. And he is not going to be the child of promise. I I want her out of here. And so Abraham was upset, it says, because he... This was his child. And so we went to the Lord and said, Lord, what do you have to say? And in Genesis 21, 12, it says this. God said, he said, Abraham, do whatever your wife said. So I said that, I read that. And I said, whoa, stop right there. What did you just say? I said, do whatever your wife says. She says, I want to get a card. We're going to put this on the refrigerator. We're going to make a doctrine out of this. When push comes to shove, you just read that. Do whatever your wife says. Now, I said, now that's a little stretch because it does say do whatever Sarah says. She said, I know it's still the principles there. Do whatever your wife says. So, men, you're in trouble. Do whatever, do whatever your wife says. And you want to get in worse trouble? Do whatever your wife says. All right. So, failure. Abraham failed. 
the father of the nation of Israel. And in a real sense, the father of Christianity. He failed. But God was at work. And what I want us to see is how this is a bigger story. He wants to speak to us. But how God can redeem your failures. The very first thing I see is how God redeemed his failure not to separate from his family. Let's look at the word of the Lord. It's in Genesis 12. Look at the command, verses 1, 2, and 3. The Lord said, said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So there's the blessing. And the command was real simple. Leave your native country, which he did, your relatives, which he did mostly. But then it says, and your father's family. And he didn't do that. Because verse 4 says, so Abram departed from the Lord as as the Lord had instructed That's what he did right, and Lot went with him. That was the and that he didn't obey because Lot was from his father's family. It was his nephew. Lot's father, Haran, had died. And so Abram had spent a lot of time probably helping raise his nephew. And whatever reason, it doesn't really tell us why he didn't obey God in this area. But for whatever reason, a feeling of uh, responsibility or something, he brought Lot with him. But you know, God has a way of redeeming our failures. God has a way of even when you partially obey, because that's really what we have. He partially obeyed God. He departed. He left the place where he had been He left all of his his friends, but he brought Abram with him. And here's the interesting thing is because they became so numerous and they got so many cows and sheep and God blessed both of them, both Lot and Abraham. Then it became a matter where they couldn't handle being together. There wasn't enough land for all their cows and and sheep and goats. So literally, they had to. And they were having some friction between the herdsmen. And so finally, uh, Abraham and Lot got together and he said, Listen, uh, Abraham was Abram at this point. He was gracious and he said, Listen, Lot, you just look any way you want. Take anything and I'll give you that land. I'll take whatever's left. And Lot looked around. It's interesting because if you follow carefully... It says, Lot looked for a long time. He hesitated. And I see that in Lot's life. When, when the fire of Sodom and Gomorrah was coming down, or almost about ready to come down, then two angels were trying to get him out of Lot, it says again, and Lot hesitated. And it says the angels actually grabbed him by the arm and drug him out of there. So Lot's hesitated. He had a hard time making up his mind. And finally, he looked over at the Jordan Valley, green, fertile, the best land. And he said, I'll take that. I'll take the best-looking land, water, the Jordan River running right through the middle of it. I'll take that. All the settlements were there. The rest was, you might say, unsettled territory. And Abraham says, okay, I'll take that. 
And here's what's interesting. And we see this. Uh, it's in Genesis. Look at it. Genesis 13, verse 14 through 17. Let's look at this. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I am giving all of this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like as the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk throughout the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. Now, here's the interesting thing. Lot had just chosen the land to the east. And God followed up by saying, I'm going to give you all the land. God just gave him everything that even Lot chose. Why? Because God knew Lot's heart. Because not only did he set his mind and heart toward that area, the next time we pick up, it says Lot's tents were pitched toward Sodom. And then the next time we find Lot, he is living in Sodom. He's an, uh, seems like he's an elder or an official in Sodom. He was headed toward Sodom. God knew Lot would never be able to handle that land. He knew he would never inherit that land because his heart was toward the wickedness of Sodom. God knew that. But the interesting thing that I see is that all of the blessings of God that God wanted to give to Abram, he held off until the separation happened. After Lot separated. And when I read that, I realized God was saying something to you and me. And that is there are things in our life that keep us from the full blessings of God. There are things that we have to let go of. And we don't want to. We have a hard time letting go of some things. And yet God wants to say to you today. That God waits. For the full blessings of God. That he wants to bestow upon you. He waits. Until you're willing to let go of some things. Because you're going to have to let go of some things. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's a thing. Sometimes it's a place. Sometimes it's a title. You have to be willing to let go. And God says, when you are willing to obey, then God is ready to open up the door. He is ready to open up the windows of heaven of blessing. And he showed Abram this. After Lot left, then God said, look in every direction. Abram, I'm going to give it all to you. Even the part that Lot just chose, I'm going to give it to you. Every direction, now northeast, south, and west. God is saying to you today that if there are some situations in your life that you've held on to, God is waiting for obedience. He's waiting until sometimes you let go of those things. And how do we know what those are? Those are things that keep us from Him. Those are things that steal our heart. 
Those are things that steal God's time with us. Those are the things that we treasure above Him. When something is placed above Him, more important than God, then God is jealous. And He waits for us to separate. And then He pours the blessings upon our life. The second thing I want us to see, and that is God redeems Abram's lie about Sarah being a sister. Y'all remember this story, huh? It says that because of a drought, they went south into Egypt. And when they got into Egypt, uh, Abram had this little discussion with his wife. And he says, listen, uh, you're such a good-looking woman. Uh, You're beautiful. And she obviously was. He says, listen, I'm afraid that maybe they're going to kill me and take you. So this is what we're going to do. When we go into a place like this, you just say you're my sister. He had not learned the part about cherishing and loving your wife. He was not doing real good on loving his wife. Because I don't know how you feel about this, but he just sold her down the river. He just abandon his wife and as soon as he gets into pharaoh's area in egypt pharaoh's servants say you're not going to believe this look good looking woman that just showed up down here man she is beautiful and so he sends the the all the people in and gets her and and brings her to pharaoh and and of course she says i'm his sister and he doesn't say a word he keeps his mouth shut He's just trying to save his own skin. And I thought, how many times do we rationalize things that end up hurting others just because we're thinking about ourselves? Y'all ever done that? You just thought about yourself. You thought about what you wanted. And you didn't think about how much it's going to hurt your loved ones. You just thought about yourself. And he put her at tremendous risk because Pharaoh took her as his wife. But then something happened. God is able to redeem our failures. He is able to redeem our terrible mistakes. And this is a terrible mistake. It's a lie. It's a half lie because they had the same father, but they had different mothers. So in a sense, I guess you could say she was a half-sister. But he didn't say that part. He left out the part that she's my wife. So look what happens to Pharaoh. It's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 17. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Obviously, she told Pharaoh. Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife now then? Here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. He escorted him out of there in a hurry. Of course, the end is, as soon as he did that, God healed all of the Pharaoh's household that had gotten sick. 
God was watching out for Sarah and he was watching out for Abram, even though Abram made a terrible choice. And I want to say to you today, God redeems your failures. Even when you make mistakes, I asked you earlier, how many of you have ever failed? And almost all of you raised your hands. And the truth of it is, God wants to redeem your failures. The difference between success and failure, a successful life and a failed life, is how do you deal with your failures? How do you see your failures? If you deny them, hide them, play like they haven't happened, then most likely you're set on a path to have to go through that all over again. But if you will come clean, be honest before the Lord and say, Lord, I have failed. I have failed miserably. Then God will redeem your failures. You see, when I say God redeems your failures, I'm not telling you that to give you a license to sin. It's not an excuse or a reason why you should do your own thing. But it should remind you of His great faithfulness and His great love for you. How much He loves you and how much God wants a relationship with you. He wants that relationship so much with you that He is willing to redeem your failures. And He looked down and He had mercy and grace upon Abram. And Abram had made a terrible choice concerning Sarah, his wife. And so he reached in and redeemed Sarah and got her out of that place. And the interesting thing is that God gives you the opportunity to have second chances and third. How many of you have ever gotten some second chances in your life after you failed? And sometimes you need third chances. And occasionally you need four. But here's the interesting thing. And I want you to follow the sequence of events. Right after he lies and God redeems him, what happens? All of a sudden, word comes back. A man comes back from Lot's household And says, Abram, we're in trouble. These five kings have come down and they have captured and fought against the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and four other kings. And and they took everybody. They defeated us in battle. And they have captured Lot, your nephew, and all his family and all his goods. And everybody has been taken captive. And Abram had 318 men, it says, out of his own household. And a much larger army had just fought and won against the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there were, I think, three or four other cities. And what does Abram do? He just gets his men together, says, come on, guys, let's go. It's like John Wayne. Come on, man, let's go. We can do it. And as he's on his way, I can imagine what's going on in his head. He's thinking, Lord, I just messed up with my wife, Sarah. I just told a huge lie. 
And then got exposed for that lie. And he's thinking to himself, Lord, are you going to be with me? And then I bet he thought this. I failed. And now my nephew Lot is in trouble and all this is my fault. See, sometimes when the, when the bottom falls out and all kinds of bad things happen, we immediately relate it to the failures we've made. And we say, this, I'm going through this terrible battle because of what I did here. And so he probably had some real questions about what am I doing? How do I know God is going to be faithful to me? What am I thinking? I'm about to take on a huge army. I, I only have 318 men. Lord, are you going to be with me? And he's, he's going all the time. He, they have to catch up to this army. And it, he, he got there at night. And it says he divided up his army into two armies. Split up the 318 men. And he attacked at night. At night. And all of a sudden, God gave them an amazing victory. And it says he chased them as far as they could and defeated them soundly. And it says he got all of Lot and his family and his possession and everything else that that army had taken as they looted every area. So now... Abram is coming back not only with Lot and his stuff, but he's coming back with everything. Everybody's loaded down. And two significant things happen. He meets two significant people on the way back. He meets the king of Sodom, and he meets Melchizedek. And it tells us Melchizedek is a priest of the Most High God. And the priest brings bread and water. Bread and wine, excuse me. And he blesses Abram. And Abram gives him a tithe, a tenth of all that he has. He gives to God. Because he recognizes this is the priest of the God that he serves. He's the king of Salem. Which later becomes Jerusalem. Salem. So he's the priest of Jerusalem. And the king of Sodom, he's right there too. And he says, oh, Abram, oh, mighty warrior. Man, am I glad to see you. (laughs) Listen, I'd like to just bless you and give you an abundant blessing. And Abram says this, he says, king of Sodom, I don't want to take one single thing from you. Not even a shoelace. The only thing we'll take are what my men have already eaten. And what possessions belong to them. Other than that, I don't want anything from you. Because I don't want you to say or anyone else to say that you have made me rich. You see, he knew Sodom was a wicked king. And he was a man who honored God. And so you see, Abram honored God. We talk about Abram's failures, but I want to tell you, he honored God in two ways. He paid a tithe, a tenth, as a sign of honoring God. And he was saying by that, he was saying, listen, God, I recognize you're the one who helped me fight this battle and win this battle. And by refusing to anything from king of Sodom, it was a way of saying, God, I honor you. 
And I will never bow my knee to the wicked. And I'm not going to take a dime from this guy. What's interesting, I love this part. That part is over. And he's going back home. And God appears to him. And what does God say to him? I love this. I forgot this in my notes, but it's in Genesis 15.1. It says this. God appeared to Abram and he says, Abram, do not be afraid. I will be your shield, your protection, and I will be your great, exceeding reward. You see why he said that? I'll be your shield. I'll be your protection. You were afraid back there of that king of Pharaoh. You lied because you were afraid that they were going to kill you. But I want to tell you, I will be your shield. You don't have to be afraid anymore. I will be your shield. And maybe he was worried about some retaliation from all these kings. He said, you don't have to worry. I'll be your shield. And then maybe he was thinking about, boy, I wish I would have taken some money from that king of Sodom. I just turned down a big, huge amount of money. And God says, hey, I'll be your reward. I'll be your reward. You don't have to worry about not taking that money from the king of Sodom. I'll be your shield and I'll be your reward. Do you make the right choice? And I will bless you. And he continues to pronounce a blessing upon Abram. So God redeemed his failure of lying about his wife. And as soon as he messed up, he gave him an opportunity to do the right thing. And thanks be to God, he did it. The third area, I see how God redeemed. And that is, he redeemed Abram's attempt. I'll call it an attempt to bring about the promise in his own strength. You see, 10 years passed. Now he's 86 years old and there's no child. God promised him he'd be the father of many nations. No children. Why did God take so long in giving him his promise? Why did God wait so long to give him a son? Was God not able to do this 10 years earlier? Yes. But God uses delays to test us to see if we're going to trust him. Always remember that. God uses delays to test our willingness to trust God. And so, they're in the middle of this waiting period. And so, what happens? And it was a joint cooperative agreement here. And it it may sound terrible to us, but it was fairly common in the day they were living in. Sarah and Abram decide to give Hagar, her handmaiden, to Abram so they would have a child. She wasn't having a child. She wasn't getting any younger. And so she's thinking, you know, time is rushing by here. I'm already probably too old. So why don't you just go to my handmaiden, Hagar, and we'll have a child with her. Well, how many of you know that was not a real good idea? Men, if you're thinking about following an Abram's uh, plan here, I just want to tell you that's not a good idea. That's not good for your marriage. Uh, It's not God's plan. And it was not an uncommon thing. Because having children and having uh, lots of children was a key to being a successful family back in these days. 
And so it was done, unfortunately. But it wasn't God's plan. But God even redeemed that. Look at Genesis 16, verse 1, 2, and 3 kind of described what happened. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal, um, probably unwillingly. Uh, So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And it has happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So he's about 85, 86 years old when this happens. And they have Ishmael. She gets pregnant, and they have a son named Ishmael. But God redeemed his failure. You see, sometimes we want to make the promise come to pass. And I just want to say to you, God is well able to keep the promises that he makes. God has made promises to you. And I want to tell you, do not give in. Don't go through that process of thinking, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to cause this to happen. Don't fall into that trap. Be patient. Let the delays work good in your life. Let those delays work good in your life. Because the truth of it is, is that I guess Abram doubted God's faithfulness. But here's the good news. Even when you doubt God's faithfulness, He is faithful. When you give up, God is faithful. When you are at your wit's end, God is faithful. When you are ready to throw in the towel, God is faithful. When you believe that there's no more hope for something to happen, God is still faithful. God remains faithful even though you are faithless. That's what 1 Timothy tells us. Even if we are faithless, He remains faithful. God wants to teach us through those delays. How many of you are going through a delay right now? Let me see your hand. You know what I'm talking about? You're going through one of these delays. God's made a promise or you believe God's made a promise in your life. You hadn't seen that come to pass. How many of you are waiting? Okay. Maybe you're waiting for children to come to the Lord. Maybe you're waiting for some financial blessings. Maybe you're waiting for a job. Maybe you're waiting for a restoration of a relationship. Whatever the thing is, just understand. Be patient. Let God do His good work in you because He will use these delays to show you He's faithful. And while you're waiting, don't try and come up with a plan. Got to have this idea. How you and I are going to make this happen. Don't do it. Because Ishmael became the father of the Arab nation. And it's interesting, the blessing that he spoke on Ishmael. You'll be a wild donkey. Your whole life and all of your descendants, you'll be against them and they'll be against you. And there'll be conflict and all of your descendants forever. And boy, hadn't that happened. So don't do it. Trust the Lord's faithfulness. 
And then the last thing I see here. And, and you know, I'd almost like to tell you that the story ends right here. That Abraham, praise God, he's learned his lesson. He's a man of God. Hallelujah. He has gone through all these things. And now he is, he's got a great power and faith. But it says, it says in Genesis 22, it says they went down to the Negev, which is in the southern region. And it says he got down there. And here's the basic thing, folks. His wife, it says, is 99. 99. And he says, listen, would you tell everybody you're my sister? (laughs) And I'm thinking, are you kidding? Why would I do that? He is still convinced She is a good looker. Now, was she that good looking at 99? I don't know. I don't see how. But he is convinced. He is convinced. And she goes along with it again. And when I read this, I thought, You rascal, you. I cannot believe you did this twice. How many of you have ever made the same mistake twice? How many of you have made it five times? How many of you made it over ten times? Oh, my goodness. A bunch of unholy people around here. I'm telling you what. You're you're like I am. Why don't we learn from our dumb mistakes? I don't know. But I can tell you this. God redeems our failures. Even. Even when you make the same mistake twice. Oh my goodness. Genesis 20. Verse 1, it says, Abraham moved south to Negev, lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and he moved to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, saying, She's my sister. The king of Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. That night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and said, You're a dead man. For that woman you've taken is already married. And Abimelech had not slept with her yet, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she's my sister and she herself said she's my brother and I acted in complete innocence? My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, yes, I know you're innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you for he is a prophet. Oh! Can you believe this? God still believes in Abraham. Because by this time, his name has changed. He's a prophet. He's a man of God. And you need him, the liar, (laughs) to pray for you. And I want to say this real carefully. Your failures 
don't determine your destiny. Your failures do not determine your destiny. God's plan for Abraham was not changed by the fact that he lied about his wife not once but twice. Did Abraham delay it? Possibly so. Because we can certainly delay those blessings and the destiny. But they didn't change God's plan for Abraham. God hadn't changed his mind about you. Maybe you've lived a life of sin, drugs, alcohol, wild living. Maybe you've gone your way, done your thing. And you feel worthless. You feel like, God, you could never use me. I want to say to you very carefully, God hadn't changed his mind about you. He still loves you. He still has a plan for your life. He still has a purpose and a destiny for your life. God wants to redeem your failures. If you read the end of the story, God kept Sarah safe. And he blessed Abraham. And here's a kicker to it. Not only did God say, have this man pray for you. When he left, Abimelech gave him a thousand pieces of silver. And I'm thinking, Abraham, you came out of this thing smelling like a rose. (laughs) I don't know how. But he did. As a testimony of God's faithfulness. God's mercy. Remember I told you earlier how that when you mess up, God many times will give you an opportunity to get things right. He did that the first time. He lied about about it the first time. And as, as quickly as could be, he was in a war against five kings. And he made the right choices and God blessed him. Now he's lied again. And now all of a sudden, there's another test. He says to Abraham, Abraham, take your son, Isaac. He's a young teenage boy by this point. He says, I want you to take your son. I want you to go to a hill, a mountain that I'll show you. And I want you to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. Takes Isaac. And Isaac carries the wood. And they get two days down. And they're about a day's walk away from the place where God has for him. And he gets there and Isaac stops his dad and says, Dad, listen. I see the wood. And I know you have the knife. I see everything here. But where's the sacrifice? Oh, 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 just... He said to his servants, stay here. We will be back in a few days. He didn't say, I will be back. He said, we will be back. He believed Isaac was coming back with him. And he told Isaac, he said, God, he said, Isaac, I love what he said. He said, God will provide himself 
a lamb. The choosing of his words was specific. A lamb. And they got to a hill and later we find out it's Mount Moriah. It's a mountain right around the hills of Jerusalem that will become Jerusalem. This is 2,000 years before. And they make their way up, Abraham and Isaac. They make their way up that mountain and they get near the top. Puts an altar. Builds an altar. He says, come here, son. He says, get up on there. He lays his son on that altar. and takes the knife. And I know he's thinking right now, God, this would be a great time for you to talk to me. This would be a great time for you to speak. And he waited until his hand was up. And God spoke and said, Oh! Abraham! Don't you touch that boy! You see, God never, ever, ever planned for him to harm his son. It was never in God's heart to hurt his son or take him as a sacrifice. He was only testing his heart to say, Abraham, will you obey? And then he looked over and on the other side of the hill, just on the other side of the crest, there was a ram caught in a thicket with his horns caught. And Abraham went over there, took him put him up on the altar killed him and he became the sacrifice as a burnt offering you see the most amazing thing is the picture God was painting because Mount Moriah is the same mountain that the Lord himself was crucified on And while Abraham and Isaac were walking up one side of the mountain, the ram, the provision, was walking up on the other side. God would provide himself a lamb. And that day, he didn't provide a lamb. He provided a ram. So therefore, the word of the Lord that came out of Abraham's mouth would not be fulfilled for 2,000 more years When Jesus himself would be the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. That he would be the lamb taken and slain for your sins and my sins. On that very mountain. Probably on that very spot. You see God was giving us a greater story. He was saying to you. I want to redeem your sin. I want to redeem your failures. Some of you raised your hands when you said you'd failed more than once in one area. Some of you kept raising your hand every time I raised the number. And the truth of it is, God knows that we have areas that we fail in a lot. But God wants to redeem you. And He wants to have you to walk in a new pathway. A new way. God is ready for you to stop going down the same road again and again.
He's ready for you to, to allow Him to redeem you. But now to walk in a new pathway. If you are tired of making the same mistake over and over again, I want to ask you today to allow Him to redeem your failures and to say, this is it. No more. Stand to your feet. If you want to pray with me and say, I want God to redeem my failures. If you failed a bunch, once, twice, five times, I don't care how many, I want you to come down to the front. I want you to allow God to redeem your failures. We're going to agree in prayer for God to be our great Redeemer. Our great Redeemer. The one who redeems us of all of our failures. You see, He's looking down right now and He's seeing some hearts. And He sees what you do in the secret. He sees what you do in the dark. He sees when you see things that you think no one else sees. He sees when you don't honor your wife or you don't honor your husband. He knows when you've had failures upon failures upon failures. And God is saying, I want to redeem those failures. But He's also saying, I want those things to be done with. We don't accept His grace as a way of doing more mistakes or having more mistakes. We accept His grace and say, Lord, I need Your grace to be forgiven and restored so I don't have to go down this road again. The Lord made a promise to me last night as I prayed. And He said, if you will pray with the people that their hearts are sincere and they will surrender these areas to me, they'll never have to walk down this pathway again. He will redeem you completely. He'll give you complete redemption. And you can walk in a new pathway. If you're up here and you're willing to pray with me, let's get our antennas up. Get your hands up. You need good reception. You need to get your antennas up. Come on now. We want to hear from God. We want to let God do the redeeming work of the cross. The redeeming work of salvation. The redeeming work of setting us free from habits and sinful things and wrong choices. Lord Jesus, you hear us. You see us. You know our hearts. Before we ever walked into this building, you knew everything we had done. You know everything we have said. You knew everything that has happened. And Lord Jesus, it is your plan and your desire that you would fulfill our destiny. And our destiny is not changed by our mistakes or our failures. But God, this morning, you desire to redeem our failures. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you to help us this morning. Pray with me out loud. Heavenly Father, I repent, Lord. I turn from my old ways. I turn from my wrong choices. I declare by the word of the Lord that you redeem my failures. By the blood of Jesus, I place the blood of Jesus over all my failures. And I say, I will walk with you, Lord. I will let you fulfill your promise. You will fulfill your promise. You will complete everything that you desire to do in my life. I will not do it.
I will not get in your way. I will be patient to let you do what you want to do. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming me. In Jesus' name, amen.